0: And we are back. One final segment here on this post OTA number two edition of Inside Black and Gold. It becomes more and more annoying to explain what we're talking about as the OTAs go on because it's like, oh, you have one headline, like, oh, Saints OTAs, but then you have another one, so it can't just be Saints OTAs again. Now it's the second Saints OTAs, and then, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a whole thing, but it's we're just ramping up, right? Training camp's coming, we're going to have a lot of that. We're going to be ready when it hits. Okay, we're going through the questions. Have a have several good ones. The first question I want to get into, and it's a good one, is Eric Howard. How is the QB to wide receiver chemistry going with Derek, David Carr, <laughs> Derek Carr, and the wide receivers so far? And I would say, you know, it's it's coming along. I I think Derek, the, <laughs> Derek. I'm right. Derek said, phrased it as he's asking a lot of questions right now, and when he says that, he means in a lot of instances, he's just throwing and seeing what happens, right? Like he's seeing how the receivers, the tight ends, all the pass catchers kind of react in certain situations, right? How they get in and out of breaks, you know, when they open up, like that sort of thing. And so that, that comes with time. I do think that Rashid specifically has gotten on top of several of Derek's passes. And and, and when I say that, I mean, I think Derek has underestimated kind of the, not even the speed, but the quickness of Rashid in short areas. Like when he runs that whip route, he gets out of it so quickly that by the time the ball gets there, it's behind him because that's just something that you have to adjust to. And that's something that comes over time, right? I think that today they were on target a lot more. And so that's, I think that's kind of where you're at. Same thing with Chris Olave. It's a very similar scenario There was one play that he rolled out today that Derek Carr rolled out and tried to hit Jawan Johnson down the sideline. He really should have just thrown it in the dirt. I think in a game, he probably would have thrown it in the dirt. Instead, it gets intercepted. And I think that's one of those situations where Jawan's not making that play. You know, I I love me some Jawan Johnson. I think he's an excellent player. That's just not a situation you put him in where he would have to kind of stop his momentum, come back and work back to the ball on the sideline where you have a limited ability to even come down in bounds. You're basically asking him to play defense on that play and maybe catch it if he's lucky. You know, that's the sort of thing that I think over time, you'll be like, yeah, that's a ball I shouldn't throw. Um, And th- and that's that's not something you expect to have ironed out on the second day of, <laughs> or I guess it's not the second day, on the fourth team practice since the start of OTA. So I'd say it's coming along. I'm curious what, en- what ends up happening with Michael Thomas, right? Because that is a connection that we have not seen at all. And I do think that that's A unique connection that a quarterback and a wide receiver have to have when you play like Michael Thomas does, because Michael Thomas doesn't need to create separation to be open. And when I say that, I mean like that throw can be made, but it requires a lot of trust to make, right? When he's just boxing somebody out and you're like, all right, I'm going to throw it there and you're going to go get it because you're stronger than them and you're going to make the play and you're going to make me look good. Quarterbacks got to trust you to do that. And that's the type of thing that I'd like to see develop. And unfortunately, we will not. Until training camp, I imagine. I do not think that he'll be on the field for minicamp. But either way, we're going to find out. And I think that connection is going to be important. Will Will he stay on the field for a whole season? Will he stay on the field for even eight games? I don't know. But that's going to be a very important answer when it comes to the chemistry of the wide receiver room. Uh, Tedrick Covington asks, if Taylor does win CB2, he would still play the slot because Adebo is better outside. It's not really a question. But I do want to address it. I actually disagree with with this. I don't think what you're going to do is go through camp and have a position battle with Alante Taylor and Paul Adebo and then say whoever wins plays that position and whoever loses plays a position they haven't been working at this entire offseason. Right? Because the responsibilities at the nickel are very different. You know, and I think they all can do it. All the You know, I say all. Marshawn's not really ever going to be a consideration for the nickel, not because he can't, but because he's too good outside to even consider it. But like I think Bradley Roby, Alante Taylor, and Paul Snadibo all could theoretically play the nickel. I think you also have Lonnie Johnson. You have Jonathan Abram, who could theoretically play the nickel. But you want whoever you are going to start there to be working on that position throughout camp. And so, to me, the most likely candidate to play at nickel is Bradley Roby. Still on the roster. He's a veteran. He's played it in the last two years. He's played a lot of nickel in his career. And the depth on the outside <laughs> is not going to stop being a thing that you need. Right, You're going to have to have it. So it might be a little frustrating at points if everyone's healthy and one of Alante Taylor and Paul Snadiba aren't on the field. But I don't think that they're going to just reflexively say, okay, he didn't win that, so he's going to play over here. I think that you want to develop that position just like you want to develop your outside cornerbacks. And let's be real, the outside cornerback position gets hurt about as often as anyone in the NFL. And having a guy who's been working at that position and is ready to come in and play it is a luxury that not a lot of teams have, at least at that level where you trust them. I, st- I think it's going to be Elante Taylor winning that job out of camp, but you know we haven't really gotten to see any one-on-ones, anything like that. Um, but this the way he works. I I have a feeling he's going to take that if not before camp, uh, you know, early in the season, either way, it's a good, it's a good point. I do think it's going to be something to watch is who plays the slot because, you know, for years you had CJ Gardner Johnson, or at least for three years, you had CJ Gardner Johnson who you went in, you never questioned who the slot corner was going to be. Eric Howard asks, do you think DeMarco Jackson will make his mark on this linebacker group? You know, I, I I wanted to talk to DeMario about DeMarco Jackson today, but we ran out of time. He was talking about all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I didn't want to follow up. Uh, he basically held a sermon. And I did not want to follow that up with a, hey, tell me about DeMarco Jackson. It was just too, you know, he had a mic drop moment and I didn't want to step on it. So we didn't get it. But I'm going to talk to him about DeMarco. I'm going to ask DA about DeMarco maybe next week. And, Hopefully one of these days we'll be able to catch DeMarco in the locker room because I haven't seen him yet. That said, I mean, I've been pretty outspoken about this. Yes, I do think DeMarco Jackson is going to get the chance to make a mark on this linebacker room. Will he be able to is a different question, but I do think the opportunity is going to be there for him. Now, you you could add more players. You can add a veteran linebacker. The fact is you didn't sign anybody. You didn't draft anybody right? You brought in a few UDFAs, you know, Nick Anderson, and Anthony Orgy are both interesting players. But to me, I mean, that's a pretty clear indicator that the guys in the room are the guys that you're going to go with, at least throughout camp, where you're going to give them the chance to show you that you can go with them. You know, maybe a Nephi Sewell, maybe an Andrew Dowell can can step in there. But to me, it's the fifth round pick from last year that you didn't get to see is DeMarco Jackson. And I think the team likes him. I think they want to see him. So yes, I do think that there was a very real chance that he makes a mark on this linebacker group. I just don't know what it's going to be, right? Like you don't always need that extra linebacker, right? If Pete Werner doesn't get hurt last year, Kate Nellis, does he even get on the field? Do you even know? Does he sign that big deal? Or do you have Kate Nellis on a really cheap deal right now uh, because Pete Werner played a full healthy season? So there's the question. And I, But I do think that when you're kind of setting the depth chart at linebacker and you're especially in the preseason, you're going to be seeing a lot of DeMarco Jackson. So it's a good question. Thanks for that. There's Eric again. When do you think the entire projected starting offensive line will finally get to practice together, minicamp or training camp? Definitely not minicamp. I do think that you will see a majority of them out there. And if you consider James Hurst to be the starting left tackle, then I think you're going to be pretty close. I think you're going to have four out of five if you consider James Hurst to be the starting left tackle because Trevor Penning won't be out there. Cesar Ruiz, maybe. I find it highly unlikely, but it's theoretically possible. I think the most likely situation is first day of training camp, you are hoping to have all of them. You are hoping, I think you can bank on Cesar Ruiz being out there. Trevor Penning, just in terms of, okay, he was a few weeks behind when he got the injury. So there's going to be a few weeks kind of in the wash there that I don't know if they'll be ready at the exact same time. But I, I would anticipate, based on what we've seen from them, they both are moving around without issue. They're both been at practice both of these times. Trevor looks great. Doesn't look like he's kind of ballooned up, which is something that can happen to you if you're an offensive lineman that suddenly can't move around. So I would guess I would guess the first day of training camp. And if not early in camp. Tedris says, I believe they might trade Roby. I mean it's possible, but I mean, I don't think the depth at cornerback is anything you look at like, okay, yeah, we're we're completely fine there. I mean, last year you thought you were fine and suddenly you're starting Chris Harris across from a rookie. So I, I, I disagree. You know, maybe if they get a really good offer for him, but I think that Roby is going to be a valuable depth option for this team and they don't have to trade him for cap relief, right? Like the, the cap scenario isn't really going to change much. So... I would disagree. I think they're going to hold on to him again because he's a valuable player in the slot. Like you can put him in the slot. I, I think they're going to keep him around. I think that's where they're going to put him. Leo 12 says, "Mark Evans the second. How is he doing?" You know, I <laughs> I could come on here and tell you that you know he looks great. He looks fantastic. He hasn't allowed a single pressure because he hasn't. <laughs> but I'm just going to tell you and be honest. It's really difficult to evaluate anything on the offensive line or the defensive line outside of man that looks like an NFL player they look really athletic and fast and (laughs) because they don't they're not wearing pads they're not even hitting you know that like especially the offensive line you know you're not having them go at each other without pads on right like you can have the wide receivers and the DBs kind of battle downfield you know you still got a tackle but you're gonna get a good idea of like okay you're gonna move around you're gonna you're gonna make a play on the ball that's not the case with the offensive line. Um, so, you know, until we get to training, like at least minicamp, where you're seeing them multiple days in a row, I'm not going to pretend I know anything. He hasn't showed anything that stood out to me as, as bad, right? Like Yasir Durant was getting chewed out by Doug Marone on the first day of OTA. So like, that's a pretty good indicator that he wasn't doing the job. I'm not an offensive line analyst by trade. I know enough to be dangerous. But I'm going to withhold any analysis of Mark Evans uh, at this point. But I appreciate the question. There's Devon says, I hope we don't sign a veteran linebacker only because I want to see DeMarco Jackson get a chance at playing. I mean, I think you could do both. You know, I, like I think I think you probably will sign a veteran. But like like last year you signed Kiko Alonso. It wasn't because you felt like, oh, Kiko is going to be the guy. He ended up retiring the next day right? Like you brought in Quan Alexander by trade. And that was a different scenario because you gave up a lot to get him. Even when you brought him back, it was always kind of the plan. I don't think you're going to do that. I don't think you're going to wade into that pool quite that deep where you would see like a a deal along the lines of what they did for Quan. But like like last year, you brought in a Joe Schobert. Like I think just having those guys during training camp is actually valuable for the young guys. So You know, I I don't think that signing a veteran is necessarily going to be like, oh man, DeMarco never got his chance. But I I understand what you're saying. I would also like to see DeMarco. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Like that was a bummer last year to see him get hurt. Tedra says, I know I'm just really worried about the O-line. I can't help it. Big importance to me. Yeah, the offensive line is interesting because you have all of these high draft picks on it. Like you have all of these first round picks and even your center is a second round pick that you traded up. So, I mean, effectively a first-round pick. It was your first pick in that draft that was 2019. The first-round pick went in the Marcus Davenport trade, but you nailed that pick. So, you know, it it is strange. Like, you have all of this value in that group, but it does feel like there's a lot of questions about it, right? Like, Andres Pete, who I found out today has six siblings, the youngest of whom is like a five-star basketball recruit, figure that one out. You know, I don't know what to expect from Andres Pete. Can he stay healthy? Is he even good enough when he is healthy? I think Nick Saldaveri has a chance to steal that job at some point this season. And it's more about just the quality of play than anything else. I think this is Andres Pete's last year on this team, personally. You might keep him around if the salary cap gets real tight, but I don't see it. And then the question is that left tackle. Can Trevor Penning be that guy? If he's healthy, can he be that guy? Is he going to have serious rookie struggles in a year where you can't really afford to let your quarterback get eaten alive, right? Like you you didn't bring in this mobile quarterback. You brought in Derek Carr, who is expecting to be protected <laughs> in that offense. And if you turn to Trevor Penning and it becomes a problem and you have to go back to James Hurst and you destroy Trevor Penning's confidence, that's awkward. So I, I do have some concerns over the offensive line and they will be you know, swayed a little bit by seeing Trevor Penning in camp healthy and and working. Um, right now, just don't have that. So it's easy to be a little concerned, especially because we haven't seen Brian Ramchick. We haven't seen Andres P. We haven't seen James Hurst. We haven't seen Trevor Penning or Caesar Ruiz on the field. It's been a lot of backups. There was a question about who's starting in these reps for, for just perspective when we were being let out of the indoor facility, they started their their first and I believe only set of 11-on-11 11 11 drills. And so I was kind of peering over trying to see what was happening, but I couldn't make out who was starting at position A, position B, whatever. So I'm not going to pretend I know. But, I mean, there's a pretty good rotation. of If you look at the, at the Saints roster and someone's listed with, as a lineman, um, there's a pretty good chance. I would guess it was Storm Norton at left tackle. And you know Calvin Throckmorton, I'm sure, was in there. You know, it's 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 the group you would expect. Yeah, it, and I mean, we're going to get more. I think mini camp is when you start. You know, I, I like Demarco Jackson, for example, got first team reps in the first set of OTAs. Part of that reason was Demario Davis wasn't there. Right? It's still valuable information knowing that he is kind of the first one off the bench in that backup role. But it doesn't necessarily mean that this is a first team player. And so. I never really try to make too many assumptions about what that means, what the depth chart's going to look like until we're at least at minicamp where everyone is there, or at least everyone who is supposed to be there. And and that's when I'll start to figure that out. Uh, but right now it's really just kind of seeing what everyone has to offer. Hoodie Jube says, how many wide receivers you think we're going to keep this year in the 53 man roster? And who are those players you think will take those spots so far? You know, it's, it's, Really, going to come down to it's a tough question to answer because the if you keep a seventh wide receiver, you're not keeping him because of his wide receiver skills, you are keeping him because he's a valuable special teams player. Like being a quality wide receiver really doesn't even factor in, right? Like Austin Carr, do you think he stuck around all those years because he was a because he could make some really great catches on the fourth preseason game? No. He made it because he was he was working in other roles and he was a good blocker and blah, blah, blah. So I look at that and I'm going to say six probably. And you know, there's the obvious ones, right? You have the Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid, Chris Olave. I would guess you also keep Brian Edwards right now. That's who I'm guessing. Brian Edwards. James Washington, I think is the practice squad guy. I think he's going to be that practice squad veteran that you can bring up and elevate three times, right? And maybe not. We haven't really seen him. He was at the first OTA practice. He wasn't at this one. He was going to wear 89. I My initial roster projection at A.T. Perry on it, starting to wonder. I also had Traquan Smith on there. You know, it's it, it's tough. It's tough. And Malik Flowers is an interesting question. I don't think you are going to put him on the roster just like you didn't put Rashid Jaheed on the roster last year. But I do think you're going to try to stash him on the practice squad. And at points throughout the season, if Rashid gets hurt or something like that, or you just need depth, he's there. But beyond that, you know, to answer your question, I think six would be my guess. And uh, mm, the 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 other big question would be Kirk Merritt and Kawan Baker. Kowan Baker is a draft pick. He was a seventh round pick back in 2020. <laughs> he just you don't know. Like he's been around forever. Like that's the thing is he's been on this team. He, he they they stuck by him through the whole PED thing. They clearly like him. Can he make the roster? He's wearing fifteen now. I don't know. Kirk Merritt, it's possible he makes his team as a running back. I don't know. He's been working with the running backs. But I do think that has something to do with the numbers at running back because you don't have Alvin Kamara, Eno Benjamin, or Kendra Miller at this point in the offseason. So I think it might be a, a numbers game with why Kirk Merritt has started at running back, whereas last year he started at wide receiver and shifted to running back. But that's kind of where I'm going to go with this is Michael Thomas, Rashid Shaheed. Chris Olave, Brian Edwards, Traquan Smith, A.T. Perry. Subject to change. Thank you for the question. I will say there are some players who have a better chance to make the roster if they can make it as a gunner. And right now you have Isaac Yadam, A.T. Perry, Malik Flowers, Brian Edwards, Kawam Baker, Jonathan Abram, Jordan Howden, and Shaq Davis. And Ugo Amadi, one more. I think those are players who you like, okay, is it going to be an extra wide receiver that makes the roster if A.T. Perry looks like a great gunner, right? Or if Brian Edwards looks like he can be a, a useful gunner or a jammer. You know, that because that's the question you're trying to answer. That's all I got there. Louise Lockett says, hashtag free Taysom Hill. Hey, Taysom Hill's not even here. If he wants to be freed, he's got to show up. Here's one. This is a question that I've seen a good bit. Jazz leo 012, is it possible Winston is traded for Carr's favorite slot receiver? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. And obviously, we're talking about Hunter Renfro. We have another question from 504 Co. talking about Hunter Renfro here, asking if you know if there's any whispers of a potential Hunter Renfro trade, blah, blah, blah. I think it's possible. I don't think it's guaranteed. Like, I saw someone saying like the reason they only have 89 players on the roster is because they're holding a spot for Hunter Renfro. I mean, I can tell you that they, they may very well be looking to trade for Hunter Renfro. It's not They're not holding a spot open for him. That would just be silly. Like what? You can, that's not, there's no reason. They're holding a spot open because they don't have anybody to sign. And it just makes sense if you, rather than just bring somebody in that you're just keeping it open in case someone does become available that you're interested in. But that's not a smoking gun that they're going to make this trade, right? I think it would be a good trade. I like Hunter Renfro. I actually covered Hunter Renfro in high school. I covered Hunter Renfro <laughs> and Brian Edwards because they both played high school football in South Carolina. One went to Conway, which is actually where Coastal Carolina is. If anyone knows the college Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers. Hunter Renfro went to Socasty, and he was the star quarterback at Socasty. And He was dominant. He actually walked on at Clemson. I remember that thing, and I was thinking at the time, he's gonna he's going to make that team. And he's going to be good. And they and they go. Um, but no, I, I think it's possible. I do. That said, I don't think the Saints are going to want to give up anything significant for him. And I I don't think they're trading Jameis Winston. I, I don't think it makes fiscal sense. And I think that, you know, they like having a quality backup quarterback. Keep in mind, Jameis had the option to leave. He chose to stay. And the team was like, Great, let's rework that deal. We're going to keep you around. It would be a rough look. If you just suddenly said, nah, Jameis, get out of here. Go go hang out in Vegas with Jimmy G's broken foot and the ghost of Derek Carr. J- Jameis Winston today said the Saints have the best quarterback room in the NFL. So can answer that question for yourself. Louise has been big on this. If the Saints don't let Hill compete for a quarterback spot, let him seek employment elsewhere. Hence the hashtag free Taysom Hill. I mean, I, if Taysom Hill ever gave an indication that he wanted to leave, then, then maybe, but... I think he likes it here. <laughs> I mean, I think I think he's fine with 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 playing the role. Yeah, and and as you mentioned, Dennis Allen did say he likes Winston, I, and I I think he does. I think that this is a situation that everyone is okay with. You know, obviously Jameis would like to be a starter in the NFL, but he also likes the situation he's in. That's why he chose to stay in it. We'll have a lot more from Jameis. We he talked extensively in the locker room today. Haven't had time to go through it yet, but. In the next episode this week, I'm going to break out a lot of audio. I have some Rashid Shahid. I have some Alanti Taylor. I have some Jameis Winston. I think there's one more that I'm forgetting. Oh, Demario Davis. We're going to get through all of that in the next episode. Steve Geller is going to be on here, so it won't just be me rambling to you for an hour. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that episode. But I did want to come on here and kind of just download a bunch of information while it was fresh in my brain. And I think I have successfully done that. So I will wrap it up there. Thanks for everyone who listened, everyone who jumped in, left a comment, left a question, all that. It's always appreciated. I enjoy doing these mailbags because I think it just gets to a lot of points that everyone's thinking about that I might not necessarily be keyed in on that you want to know about. So it's always helpful. And if you want answers to anything else, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Follow along at WWL.com. You can finish out the the night with sports talk if you'd like over on WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 in the Odyssey app it's free, check it out and check out Inside Black and Gold wherever you get your podcasts, right, y'all be easy, peace